0: Thanks to Grammarly for supporting The Productivity Show. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to grammarly.com TPS to get 20% off a Grammarly Premium account today. Welcome to The Productivity Show, a podcast by Asian Efficiency to help you maximize your productivity so you can get the important things done without having to sacrifice your health, family, and things that matter to you. We've helped tens of thousands of people save time, be happier, and become more productive. Asian Efficiency has always been a remote company, and we have team members all over the world. We all come from different backgrounds, different cultures, and with different quirks. Despite all these differences, we are able to work together really well because we always work as a team. But it wasn't always this way. We have struggled working together as a team across different continents and time zones, but eventually we did figure it out. In this episode, we'll go over three lessons we've learned about highly productive teamwork and how you can use it in your own team. Whether you are a remote company or not, these lessons will apply to all teams. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com. And now, on with the show. Hey Marmel, welcome back to The Productivity Show. I haven't seen you in a while. How are you?
1: Hey Tan, it's great to be back. Yeah, I've been great. We talk every day.
0: (laughs) I know, we talk every day on Zoom, on our team meetings, but we haven't really talked much on the podcast together lately, so I'm excited to have you back.
1: Yeah, I think it's been a few months. I did one just a few weeks ago with Brooke, so it's good to have another podcast session with you.
0: Yeah, Brooks is going on leave today. He's doing something else today. So I'm taking over as a host today with you as my special guest. And I'm excited to have you on here. So today we're going to be talking about three lessons we learned about teamwork and what better person to have on here than the Scrum Master of Asian Efficiency, Marmel. So before we dive in, we always like to start things off with our top three resources And the first one is a book that we absolutely love called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. I highly recommend you check out this book. It's the one that we reference all the time. We actually have a team training coming up on this book. It's a book that we reference every single year and we do a team training on every single year as well because it's so foundational for everything that we do at Asian Efficiency. So as we're gonna go through the podcast today, there's gonna be a lot of references to this book as well. So definitely check it out, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. The next one is an app called Zoom, which is actually where we are recording right now, live in front of the Dojo audience. It's a kind of a conference call, web conference platform that we've been using for the last couple of years. Uh, We used to use Skype a lot, but we transitioned everything over to the Zoom for all of our meetings now. And uh, it's much more stable, works on every single platform whether you use iOS, Android, Windows, Mac. It works on every single platform that we use and most people use. So highly recommend you check out Zoom. And then the last one is called Confluence. Confluence is a product, a online platform by Atlassian. You might've known them from like stuff like Jira. They used to create HipChat. Now they're part owner of Slack. And we've been using Confluence since oh I want to say 2012 maybe. so it's been over seven years now and uh, this is where we house all of our meeting notes, standard operating procedures, or any sort of documentation that we have inside our company. we all store it in Confluence. So go check that out as well. So Marmela, are you excited to start talking about some teamwork lessons we've learned over the last uh, what oh eight years now?
1: <laughs> yeah,'m I'm, I'm pretty excited.
0: So as many of you know, Asian Efficiency has started since 2011, and we've always been a remote company. That means that everybody in the company lives in a different part of the world. We don't have like a central office really anywhere. And because of that, we had a lot of challenges when it comes to working together because everybody's either in a different country, state, even continent, and we have like four or five different time zones So it can be quite a challenge to be productive as a team, even though individually we can be really productive. It's another thing to be productive as a team. It's kind of like team sport, right? I love basketball. I'm a big NBA fan. I also love soccer or football, as I like to call it, since I grew up in the Netherlands, and I can say that. And, you know, there's always superstars on the team, but in order for you to win a championship, you always have to win as a team. And so I've learned a lot of lessons. Marmel, you've learned a lot of lessons being the scrum master here, because your role, right, is is basically unblocking team members.
1: True. Like, if the team member has any problems or they're stuck with something, then yeah, I'm right there, right right there in the middle. And even, you know, how we communicate can be a block or two. So that's one thing. So there are a lot of challenges. But the great thing about those challenges is we found ways to overcome them.
0: Yeah, when it comes to teamwork, I think there's another dimension of productivity there that we haven't really talked a lot about yet. And we do have some past episodes where we did talk about teamwork, and we'll make sure to link to them in the show notes. But if you're somebody who is a team member and you want to learn how to be more productive as a team member, then you're going to love this episode. Or if you're a a person who leads a team, maybe you're managing a few people, then you're going to learn a few things as well on how to get the most out of your team. So let's talk about the three lessons here. The first one is how trust is truly the foundation that allows teams to work together and allows people to work together really well. So imagine you have two strangers and you have one person that promises the other person to give them $100 if that person bought $20 of flowers and then gets it delivered to a special address by tomorrow right? Now, if you have two strangers working together and collaborating on something and there's money involved, oftentimes there's a lot of friction, right? How do you know if you can trust that person? What if you don't get paid $100, right? For the $20 you're about to spend to buy these flowers and then get it delivered as well for all your hard earned you know, money and time and labor. So that's kind of a spiffy and you know, tricky situation when you have two people that don't really know each other, that don't trust each other to be able to work together and collaborate, right? But if you have two people that know each other, let's say you and your best friend, and you tell your best friend, hey, could you do me this favor? Could you, uh, you know, buy $20 worth of flowers and, you know, have it delivered tomorrow for my spouse? Your friend will probably say, yeah, no big deal, you know, and you can pay me $100 a few days later whenever you want to, right? And the reason that works is because there's trust between two people, and I know, Marmel, you always talk about trust when it comes to stuff when we talk about on the retrospective and when we're doing one-on-ones with people and we do our like EMPS surveys and stuff. So how do you view trust?
1: The funny thing is, trust is the number one. When, when we talk about the dysfunctions of the team, it's the very base of the dysfunctions of the team that without trust, everything else would crumble down. So one thing about trust is it's an acceleration for collaboration and getting stuff done. So We trust in each other's capabilities and skills. So we get work done as a team because we trust each other's capabilities. And the lack of that or the lack of trust would equate to everyone just checking each other's work. And, you know, and sometimes we might just end up neglecting our own work because we're too busy checking on others because we don't trust them.
0: Yeah. When it comes to acceleration, I think trust is probably the number one factor. Just like how I talked about the example of two strangers working together, when there's no trust, there's a lot of friction. Whereas if you have two people who do trust each other, then business gets done, things just get done a lot faster, right? And this is true in business as well. When you have trust amongst each other, with the people you do business with, then transactions happen as, as well, right? So a lot of you listening today, you probably have bought something from us before And the reason that you did that, or a big part of it, I will say, is because you probably trust us that we deliver what we promise, which is to help you become more productive, right? And a lot of you that are still here today, hopefully we've delivered on that promise. And that that happened because that transaction happened because there was trust between us. And that's something that we had to build. Some of you maybe took like one day to buy something from us. And for others, it might take in like a year of listening to the podcast and reading the blog before you made your first purchase with us. And that's totally fine. Everybody's, you know, relationship dynamic is slightly different, but I think it just goes to show you how important trust is to make things happen, whether that's stuff in business, working in a team in this case, or even in your your own relationship, you can see that lack of trust just kills everything else. So Marmel, one of the challenges that comes with this is that it takes a really long time to build trust. It's not something that can be built overnight. Just like a friendship takes a while to really build up, right? So when we have new people coming onto the team and you're trying to like onboard them, you're trying to like make sure they're good to go, what are some of the things that you look for or do to kind of like accelerate that process for building
1: trust? one thing that i do is really just to make them feel comfortable that you know welcoming them into the team and you know making them feel that they are already part of the team because they really are right i notice this transition when when they're new and then there's a lot of there's a lot of dead air and not just from the new team member but also from the other team members and every day you know with our with our daily huddles or our or our weekly meetings and you notice that you know there's a shift now everyone else is is comfortable again not just a new new team member but everyone else um on the team like um conversations that's like or when you ask a question and there is a one word answer this becomes a, a conversation because now people are more comfortable and they trust each other we don't second guess that, you know, you don't think about, okay, is this okay to, to to say this or will they get offended or is it okay if I give this person feedback? Because once the trust has been established, then you don't have to think about that because you know that when you do give the person feedback, that it's okay and they'll be able to understand.
0: It's kind of interesting to see the different types of conversations or what people talk about or what people are willing to share once that level of trust is there right? Like, if you take, for example, a dating analogy, when two people go on the first date, they're probably not going to talk about every single thing that they you know want to talk about because you know they're they're not sure if they can trust the other person if they you know are going to share everything or if they're going to judge you for something or uh, if they're going to you know think X, Y, and Z of you. Whereas if you have two people who've known each other for like years and they really trust each other, they're more open. They're more likely to share everything and. That's one thing that we also see in our team is when a new person comes on board, there's certain things that we want to do over time to facilitate that trust. And we'll get into it in just now um, how you can sort of accelerate that process for building trust. But just realize and understand that it's something that takes time. But the more you start focusing on that aspect, the faster things go in the future when people do have to work together, collaborate, share provide feedback because like you mentioned, Marmel, when people have a hard time trusting each other, it's it's kind of difficult to give each other really good feedback because you might think that somebody might be offended or somebody might take it the wrong way, right? I'm sure, do you maybe have like a funny story or something that comes to mind when it comes to how we share feedback with people?
1: Before, when we when you and I would have had our one-on-one meetings, it was it always felt like a one-sided conversation. <laughs> like you you would keep on talking and I'm just silent. It, that was just because it was just the beginning of our um of our working dynamics, you know, the full trust wasn't established back then. But then if I compare it to our one-on-one sessions now, then even before we we actually talk, you already know if there's something wrong. And then you directly would ask me, Is everything okay? and i know that i just have to tell you because you already know it anyway right and i don't have to hesitate even if it's something personal if even if it does not it's not really about work but because we all know that what happens in our personal life ultimately you know would affect how we work so that's one thing i'm really appreciative of when it comes to our one on one sessions that you also talk about our personal life. And we can only do that because we trust each other.
0: Yeah. And I think there's certain things that people can expect when we have our one-on-ones that makes people want to share stuff like that. Right. So for example, one thing is I always tell people that whatever we talk about during this conversation will be 100% confidential. So nothing will leave this call unless you give me permission to do so. Right. And just by saying that allows people to be more open to share more. And if you've ever done a coaching call with me, whether you're a client of ours or you're brand new coming into the company, that's a phrase or a saying I use all the time, right? Knowing that, hey, you can be completely transparent with me, completely honest because nothing that we're going to be talking about on this call will leave this call. Everything will be 100% confidential. It will just be with me. And I want you to be open because the more open you are, the more you're willing to share, the more I can help you and the better and effective I can be as your leader here. And that's a phrase I say over and over and over again, whether it's a coaching client or somebody on the team, uh, because I want to establish that foundation to allow you to speak up and and share. And I think that's really important, whether you are somebody who leads a team or is managing people, you want to make sure your people, your team members are open to sharing stuff. Because if they're not willing to share, it's kind of difficult to really help them. Right. and If you see a person who's underperforming at work and you ask them like, hey, is everything OK and they're not willing to share, it's kind of difficult to really help them or to diagnose what actually is going on and then helping them the right way. So I'm really glad that you and I can always talk about stuff. And uh, like you mentioned, uh, if I see something is off, I'm just going to go straight into it. <laughs> There's no even small talk here. Just like, OK, what's going on? Just tell me.
1: Yeah, I just remember there's one very simple example about trust is the team or our team. We trust everyone to be on time for each meeting. Like um when I'm dealing with other people or external people, I it's hard to trust them that they'll be on time since, you know, most of them they're not. I trust myself to be on time, but you know, not other people. But it's different when it comes to AE cuz I don't have to worry about it cuz we agreed and we trusted each other that everyone will be on time and if someone is late we know that there is a very good reason for it and usually it's internet
0: <laughs> yeah and people will also see there's part of it is i think also peer pressure because when <laughs> you are late it's very obvious because everybody will notice even though it's completely virtual everybody will notice you're late and that's even more so in person right but also everybody has the expectation and knows that the standard is that you show up on time and if you don't For multiple, you know, occasions, you usually will either you know get called upon that, or it will be discussed on a one-on-one meeting. So, which is different than if you set a standard where it's okay to be late and you just you know let it slide for multiple people, multiple times. Then everybody starts to adapt to that. So whatever standard you set is what you adhere to, and that's what everybody else will adhere to too. So, and it's nice to know that you know if you set a meeting with your team members at three o'clock that everybody will actually show up at three o'clock as well. you're not waiting for others. So let's talk about some of the things that we've done to build trust among our team members. So Marmel, what are some of the things that you've seen over the years that we've done, whether consciously or unconsciously that you think really helped build trust
1: one of those would be our pairing sessions. So for those who don't know, when we when we have pairing sessions in Asian Efficiency, it's more of like learning from each other. For example, like Brooks is going to have a pairing session with me or with Marie or even with a majority of the team to teach us something that he knows in Entreport, you know, so that we can work on our own without always bugging him. So, you know, this allows a team to learn from each other. And at the same time, it fosters camaraderie and eventually you really trust that, you know, we are all here to help each other out. Like we're not just, you know, we want the information or the knowledge to be stuck with us. No, we want to share it out. And just that action of sharing the knowledge and making time to share that knowledge would really foster trust.
0: This is something that we learned from working with a scrum coach. So even though we've been doing scrum for, I wanna say maybe six, seven, eight years almost, there's always ways to do it better, right? And one of the challenges that we had was a lot of people were working in isolation because when you have people all over the world working at different times at different time zones, it's really easy to work in isolation because you can just work on your own thing and then report back and say, hey, this is done you know, let's move on to the next thing. But there wasn't a lot of collaboration. And one of the things that we learned to address this was by introducing pairing sessions. And this is the whole idea. And I think it's kind of born from the software world, which Scrum is as well. But it's the whole idea of when two coders kind of work together, working and writing code, they come up with new ideas and ways to solve problems and challenges. And they call that pairing. And we basically do the same thing. We you and I will sit sit down and say, hey, let's work on this task together. Even though we both already know how to do it, every time I do impairing session with someone or you do with someone, you always learn like a new shortcut or something. Or there's a better or faster way of doing something. Or you start to see, hey, why are you doing it that way? That's actually slow. Like you should do it this way. So it, there's just so many benefits to it. And I was a little bit resistant in the beginning because it's easy to assume that it's kind of like slow, right? Cause now you're taking up two people's time to get one task done, even though both people already know how to do something. But the long game of it is that the more people collaborate, the better they get along, the more trust they build. And like I, talked about earlier, trust is the ultimate accelerator for collaboration. So definitely introduce pairing sessions. And you don't have to be a remote company to do this. If you work in an office, having more team members sit down next to each other and work on the same task together allows that to happen as well. What is something else, Marmel, that you've seen we've done that uh, allows to build trust?
1: We are a virtual team. And one thing that we do quite often is really meet each other in person. So Asian efficiency invests really for these in-person meetups because we know how important it is in, you know, building a great team. And we did notice that after each meetup, we always, you know, there's an increase in productivity. Then we learn new stuff just because, you know, we're working side by side. And this is, I think the the last one that we did as an entire team was in was in Cebu. A year or, or 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 two ago and that's when everyone got hooked up with alfred
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was kind of funny to see that some of you didn't use alfred as an example as a tool or even text expander even though we harp on it all the time right but it wasn't until we met up in person and we said hey you should try this tool or install this snippet and everyone oh yeah this is amazing like why haven't I done this earlier? And I go, well, I, I just mentioned it 50 times. You just maybe, you know, it just took for us to meet in person to <laughs> actually make that happen. And that's one of the things I've also learned about leadership is you often have to repeat yourself in different ways before sometimes certain people get it and make it stakeholder. That's core values, decision-making things and, and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely meeting in person, I think is a great way to build trust, especially if you are in a virtual company like we are. But even, you know, if you work in an office, I think the variation of this is to do team activities together outside the office, right? People go for a happy hour all the time. People have like company activities outside the office, even during working hours or business days and stuff like that. And it's for us kind of the same thing, but just in a slightly different way. And then this goes back to the whole idea of just getting to know each other beyond work, right? We're all people, we all have similar values, um, which is what attracted most of us to work in this workplace, right? Some of us have similar family situations, you know. Uh, some of us have kids, some of us take care of our parents, some of us, you know, stuff that we deal with outside of work. And these are things that you can relate to. So these are all things that you wanna look for. And it's really important, I think, for team members to really get to know each other outside of just work scope stuff, right? So uh, I know, for example, certain team members are really passionate about fitness. Some team members are really passionate about like traveling with their family and uh, and stuff like that. And so when we are talking, for example, you know, one-on-ones, I will oftentimes bring that sort of stuff up too to really get to know them as well. And that again, builds trust, you know, and accelerates that whole thing as well. So another thing that I think is really important is resolving conflicts while they're still small. Because if you have team members that are disgruntled, if you have team members that are upset about certain things, or they're not happy about certain decisions or something like that, I think as a leader, it's really important to catch that and really discuss it with them as soon as possible while the issue is still small. So if you allow it to blow up over time and they just hold this grudge or they're upset for a really long time, like I'm talking months, if not years, it just becomes more difficult to one, build that trust and establish it and grow it, but also two, it makes it very difficult to get the most out of people when you know they're upset or they're not happy about a certain decision right and especially if you do any sort of quarterly planning and you make a really tough decision and say hey this is what we're going to do it's important to get that buy-in but also make sure that you know if there's any unresolved issues that you address those before you really commit working together as a team Marmel do you maybe have an example of something like that that you want to share
1: Actually I wanted to to share about and we go back to the five dysfunctions of a team because people some people tend to you know shy away from conflicts they don't want conflicts they they you know they run away from it but in order for trust to work you must welcome conflicts. because if there are no conflict then you know that it's it's fake you know whatever peace <laughs> the team ex- is experiencing it's just fake because no one wants to have you know wants to experience conflict so you know that there is trust when there is conflict in a team and at the same time the team is able to resolve it the team is able to talk it out there are no um, factions in a team or in you know, one would have a different conflict in another one. We, I'm really glad we don't have that.
0: Thanks to Grammarly for supporting the Productivity Show. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students and top professionals, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. Grammarly is a great writing assistant that will make you look and sound smarter. You can easily improve yourself and your communication at school, work, and at almost anywhere with Grammarly. Many of you listening to this podcast will have some sort of written communication as part of your work or school. You want to show your best self, and you can do that through your writing. The Grammarly Writing Assistant is available across a bunch of different platforms like Chrome, Firefox, Safari, or Edge Web Browser Extension, a Mac or Windows desktop app, and on iOS and Android. Your writing can even shine on a mobile device. The free version of Grammarly reviews critical spelling and grammar, which is great, but Grammarly Premium will also do that, plus also check advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, conciseness, vocabulary suggestions, and it will also look out for readability in all sorts of different situations like business writing, academic essays, and casual blog posts. We talk a lot about goals on a productivity show, and you can accomplish your goals with help from Grammarly. Stop making email typos on your phone. Close more deals at work this year with your emails, and polish your resume to get that new job. Sometimes I like to get super focused when I'm writing, and I'll do it on my iPad to avoid distractions. The Grammarly mobile keyboard is really useful for making sure my writing shines, and I like to be able to check things over right from my writing app. The conciseness checker within Grammarly Premium is super helpful to me too, because I love to write, but I want to make sure what I write is as tight and impactful as possible. Grammarly is offering the Productivity Show listeners 20% off a Grammarly Premium account. Go to Grammarly.com slash TPS to get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash TPS for 20% off your Grammarly Premium account. Yeah, and one thing I want to add to that is when I first read Five Dysfunctions of a Team and it talks about how conflict is really important because it's a sign of a healthy team, you know, there's so much connotation sometimes related to the word conflict or attached to it that some people might imagine this was me including that was, um, you know, people screaming at each other, yelling at each other, you know, being upset and stuff like that. And that's not really what conflict is. It's really about, okay, two people or multiple people might disagree on something and then they still can find a way to come to a conclusion at the end of that, right? And even though they disagree on a certain point, even if they don't come to the same viewpoint, they can still work together for the bigger good of whatever goal you're trying to achieve. And I think that's a healthy sign of a good team. And that's something me and Brooks have talked a lot about is, You and I will disagree every now and then, but as long as you and I both commit to the goal, even if you disagree with it, I still want your commitment to it, right? And that's, I think, so important for leaders as well to get out of their team. It's like, not everybody will always agree because it's just really difficult to get everybody to agree on, you know, the same thing. But if you get at least heard, if you get them to, you know, buy into, okay, I said my thing. I don't agree with it necessarily, but you will get my commitment to you know work and to work for this. At the end of the day, you're really all you can ask for. And I think another real important aspect of trust is to always act with high integrity. So what that means is to me, if I promise something, I want to make sure I actually fulfill that. Right? And if I keep making empty promises, it's really difficult to establish that trust. So if I told you, Marmel, that, hey, you know, You're going to get a $5,000 raise uh, as of tomorrow. And I don't live up to that. Then guess what? (laughs) You're not going to trust me going forward of what I'm going to say. And this was a joke, Marmel. I just (laughs) want to make sure. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But, you know, if you make promises that you can't live up to, even if they're really small, slowly over time, it's going to erode that trust. So that's what I mean with high integrity, that whenever you make something available to somebody or you make a promise to somebody, make sure you live up to that. And if you can't live up to that for some reason, then at least bring that up, right? Rather than just letting it hang in there and then, you know, hoping that it goes away because people do remember these kind of things. And I think it's really important to to always, you know, live with high integrity for that reason. And then the last thing I want to mention here before we move on to the second point is, this is especially for remote companies, But one of the things that we've done recently actually is to turn on video when we have meetings or one-on-one calls. Sometimes in the past, what we would do is some meetings would have face-to-face, we would have our cameras on. And some meetings were quote-unquote anonymous where we can just hop on the phone and then show up for the meeting. And now we require actually everybody to turn on their cameras for most of the meetings. And again, this is just a really subtle change, but just being able to see each other and this is, again, a recent change that we've done. But my hypothesis is that the more we see, see each other face to face and actually, you know, see your, see each other's faces and such, that I think it's going to accelerate even more trust as we're, you know, working on stuff together. So I don't know if you noticed that more Mel, or if you knew why I did that, but that's just my little thing that I introduced recently.
1: Yeah, I was actually wondering what prompted you to to do that. But hearing, you know, you say and actually tying it to trust and I completely agree.
0: Yeah, well, you mentioned that we have our team training coming up soon on the five dysfunctions of a team. So <laughs> I was reading through the book again and I was like, oh, yeah, this is, I think, another way to build trust in our team. So that's why I said, hey, let's turn on our cam- cameras for every single meeting now going forward. OK, done. <laughs> no disagreement you cannot <laughs> you cannot turn over this uh, decision it's 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 final so mm-hmm. so yeah again to wrap up final point number 1 here trust is a huge accelerator so whatever you can do to build it and grow it make sure you do that because it, it will just accelerate collaboration teamwork and get your team to really perform at the highest level all right so let's talk about point number 2 here and that is communication i remember one time when I was reading this book about business, uh, it talks about how how important communication is in not only relationships but also teamwork. And I thought, okay, yeah, I've heard this before. People should share what they're, you know, what what they're thinking about, what's on their mind, and stuff like that. And it didn't really sink in until I saw so many scenarios in our company where communication was such a crucial aspect of how we got certain things done. Uh, just a simple example, right? If somebody says, "Hey Tan, can I have a call with you at three o'clock?" and I say, "Yeah." That's totally fine. And then I show up at three o'clock and then the, the other person is not there. I might wonder what what just happened, right? And then it turns out that that person said it because they were thinking three o'clock, their local time zone, which might be Pacific, and I'm in Central. So there's actually a two hour difference. And now, you know, two people are not on the same page and not being specific enough in your communication can lead to a lot of waste, right? So that was an example of a waste where uh, because somebody didn't communicate the time zone, or the other person didn't clarify to ask what the time zone was. They all made assumptions, right? Which is not a good idea most of the time. People wasted their time because they showed up at different times for their meetings. And so communication, especially in a remote company, is so important. Because I think in remote companies, there's no such thing as over-communication. I think people tend to under-communicate in remote companies. Because again, you don't see each other you're not in the same building or office. It's not like you can just walk in and say, hey, can I you know, have a minute with you, right? Which is something <laughs> everybody has dealt with. I see this over and over in our company. Whenever I talk to other people, when they run remote companies, they see the same thing. Like People tend to under-communicate in their businesses. So have you seen this as well?
1: Yeah, you are correct when you say that people often under-communicate, especially when they don't see each other Physically, I think it stems from the fact that, you know, out of sight, out of mind, like, okay, I don't see you every day. I have my task list. I know what to do. So I'm just going to do my thing here. And basically at the back of my head, I'm assuming that, that you will understand what I'm, you know, what I'm doing. So yeah, there is a lot of under communication because there is not much value put in communication because we feel that, know it's normal there's nothing special to it but if you think about it if we don't communicate clearly especially in virtual companies then a lot of things uh, would go amiss like what you said even just the time zone is it's very important especially since we are from different parts of the world literally so just missing that very tiny detail of pst or cst can throw your time out the door
0: yeah, this is why I realized how important writing skills became, because somebody who is a good writer can essentially clarify their thoughts and put it on paper. And when somebody is a good writer, that's a good sign of like clear thinking in general. And when it comes to hiring people now, that's one of the first things I look for is, can they write clearly? And can I convey what they're trying to say in writing? And if you see that skill or that trait in that person, I know like, okay, this is definitely a good person for working in a remote company because writing clearly is a really important skill in that type of setting. Whereas I think in an office that might be less so. And if I had to be really honest, if if I'm going out with somebody on a first date or something, where we're we're going on on a future date, and we're texting each other, and this person has like really poor writing, I'm a little bit turned off because I'm like, uh, I, like that is not a good thing because I've hired so many people down, knowing that you know poor writing skills usually equals poor performance at work, and uh, <laughs> I might be judging sometimes a little bit too soon when it comes to that, but that's a, that's a whole different podcast. I, I should just create my own dating stories podcast for for fun. But Marmel, what are some of the things that we've done when it comes to communication? What are some of the things that we've done to improve it? What are some of the things we've done poorly that we could do a better job of? One
1: thing that I think we've done quite well although it's been a process was just writing our sops which is you know our standard operating procedures and this is one one form of communication that we do you know we tra- through our sops we transfer knowledge right and before when we write we'd often think about if it's something that i'd understand of course i understand it because i was the one who who wrote it but what if someone who doesn't know what to do goes into that SOP, can they actually follow it and be able to reach the goal of whatever that SOP is? If that person is not able to do the task, then there is something wrong with the SOP. It means that it's not clear enough, you know, you're missing examples. So that's one way how SOP helps with communication and it's also like a check, you're checking if, you know, the way you write or your team writes is something that everyone else can understand, can actually understand.
0: I recently hired a new executive assistant after the last one left. And one of the things I've said to her at the very beginning was I was real impressed by your writing <laughs> because the way she wrote, it was very specific. It was very detailed and I could just tell right away that, you know, she's really smart and that when we're communicating on something, it's gonna be crystal clear. And anytime I didn't communicate something clearly, she would always ask for clarification. That's when I knew, oh, okay, this is a this is gonna be a great executive assistant working for me now going forward. So that's one thing I always look for again, writing skills, right? Because what we do within our company is we write a lot of stories. So with Scrum, we write a lot of like Jira issues where we write stories of what needs to happen. There's a lot of like meeting notes that need to be taken. There's a lot of like requests that need to be made for meeting up or getting something done, especially when we deal with time zones. People always mention now PSD or PST or Central or whatever time zone they're in. And so just getting really good at writing and communicating in that way becomes such an important skill. And again, I cannot emphasize enough how important that is. So if you're somebody who has to hire a lot of people and you work in a remote company, this is the number one trait I would really look for uh, aside from, you know, core value fit and everything else. So another kind of like way to test if somebody understood what you communicated, uh, and this is really important when you're delegating something. And this is my second tip here is to ask people to repeat back what you just said or what you communicated or what you would like to have done. So, if I delegate something to my executive assistant and I, you know, went on a rant or I start talking and then, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm like, okay, uh, tell me what you're going to do next. And then she will say, Tan, what I heard from you was you want this to be done. You want this restaurant booked at this time. And I'm like, yes, perfect. Okay, done. Right. So asking your team members, especially if this is somebody who is in a leadership position, ask them. To repeat back what you just communicated. And sometimes, you know, you might go off a tangent if, if that is you, I would say at this habit of asking your team members to repeat back what you just said, because then you can confirm or clarify what, what needs to be said. And I know Marmel, you've seen me do this multiple times. Have you found that to be helpful too?
1: Yeah, it's really helpful. And one thing that it does is it keeps everyone on their toes, like always ready to absorb and to listen and to actually hear. Especially during long meetings, we tend to, you know, there is a possibility that our brain will just zone off and go somewhere else. But if you know that at the end of, of the meeting or maybe in the middle, Tan is going to go, so what do you think, Marmel, or what do you think, Brooke? So, you know, that expectation always, you know, keeps my brain awake that I have to listen, take down notes, because I know that Tiana is going to ask me this. And you now I think we've, we've, we've established that, that form of team dynamics we're in when we have a meeting. If I'm not leading the meeting, then I'm definitely the one taking the notes.
0: <laughs> that is true, yes. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because the fact that people in our company expect that they could be called upon any time where I go, hey, Marmel, what do you think of this? Or, hey, Marmel, can you repeat back what I just said? Or, hey, do you understand what I just said? Can you repeat back to me what was said? Since everybody kind of knows that that could happen to them at any point in time, people are always engaged and paying attention during the meeting because nobody wants to look bad, <laughs> right? Right. When they get called upon and they're like, "Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> and oftentimes it's very easy to tell if somebody didn't pay attention. And I think part, you know, being a good leader is not to call them out in public and say, hey, uh, reprimand them or something like that. Right. You want to praise people in public, but quote unquote, you know, uh, give feedback or reprimand them in person or in private. And again, you know, this helps with trust as well. Going back to what we we're talking about earlier. But again, communication, super important and having people to repeat back what you just said is a really simple tool that allows you to kind of like test the waters and see if people have really got it. Right. And this is, you know, the third one is kind of like a different tip because it's a personality thing. I think because some leaders are really good at, you know, I wouldn't call it a dictator role, but they're kind of like, they're pretty hardcore about their stance, right? This is what we're going to do. This is what's going to happen. You know, I need you to do this. Let's go ahead and do that, right? And if you've listened to the productivity show or if you ever worked with me or communicated with me, you know, I'm not very much like that. I'm more of a softer quote unquote person that likes to get buy-in from everybody. I want to make sure everybody gets heard. I want to make sure I get your feedback. And sometimes I do have to make tough decisions and then say, hey, you know, this is what we're going to do. And this is what, you know, I've decided. But I think the differentiation there is I always ask for everybody's input and ideas and feedback. That doesn't mean that I will always use it, but just making sure that everybody feels heard and that we've communicated, I think is really important again for trust, but also feeling that everybody's on the same page as well. And what is something else, Marmel, that you think is really important that we've done
1: One thing, since we are remote, if it can be explained better in a five-minute call, then do it. Don't chat it. You know, it's so easy because we use Zoom. We use Zoom a lot. And this is something that Brooks would do or even you, Tan. Like, you'd go like, Marmel, do you have five minutes? At first, before, I would be very scared. Like, oh, what did I do now? (laughs) But eventually, you know, with that trust, knowing that, okay. It's all good. Tan just needs to explain something to me then it works so much better because Tan can spend 15 minutes just writing down in, in Jira what needs to be done but it's something that you know we can just hop on a call, hop into Zoom and it's done in 5 minutes and he can show me his screen which is uh you know way way much better than just reading it, you know, on Jira as a comment.
0: It's funny you say that because I've noticed that too that Anytime for the first time I tell people, hey, can I talk to you on Zoom for five minutes? People are always freaking out. They're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Like, what is he about to say next? Like, am I about to get fired or something? And I've kind of picked it up over the years uh, whenever we have new team members. And so one of the things I've done is I will still say that, especially in the first month uh, when they're on. And I will literally just give them a compliment or say something really nice or just check in with them and see how things are going so that they know that anytime I do it going forward, it won't be because it's something negative or bad or something, right? Uh, so I literally have that part of my personal arsenal tool whenever there's a new uh, employee coming on board to make the first, hey, can I talk to you for five minutes on Zoom and be something you know, super positive or just like, you know, super chill so that they know going forward that, you know, if I do it again, it's not something that they have to, you know, have anxiety around because, again, because we're all, you know, Remotes hopping on a one-on-one call out of nowhere is usually a little like wishy-washy for some people if they don't have that level of trust yet, because the way we work is just very isolated in a lot, a lot of different ways. So that's why uh, I've made it my personal mission to always make the first, hey, can we talk for five minutes on Zoom to be super positive and energetic for people? <laughs> so again, to build trust, right? But also start that communication process so that we can communicate because like you said, talking for five minutes on Zoom can be so much more efficient than writing something in a newsletter that we have for our company in like 20 minutes or 30 minutes or even an hour sometimes. All right, so that wraps up section number two here. And that is, again, communication, how that really is important and how you can start facilitating better communication lines between people and what you can do to improve upon that. So the third and final one is... Everyone's happiness is equally important. So when I think about team performance and team productivity, I always think about how do we get the most out of people? And oftentimes we also have to pay attention to the ones that are, quote unquote, the weakest in a team, right? And if we are realistic, not everybody in a team is equally strong or not everybody is a superstar. Those teams definitely do exist. But I think in every single team, you always have people who are, they're kind of like out in front, they're the leaders, right? They're doing everything. And then there's people who help support stuff. And there's some people who are just great chemistry people. And when I think about any sort of basketball team, I'm a big, again, NBA fan. I read a lot of like news and trade rumors and stuff like that. And they always talk about like locker room guys. And I never understood what that meant until I you know played team sports myself. But there's certain people in the locker room that never get to play a game but they're great locker room guys because they put everybody together. They make everybody happy. They're in a good mood. You know, even even though they don't play competitively in any sort of game, they're there because, you know, they're they're cheering on the bench, right? Like they're the number one supporter on the bench. They're making sure that whenever you're down, they're like cheering you up and making sure you're good to go. And when I think about teamwork and team productivity, I want to have those people on my team as well, right? And they might not be the most efficient or effective people, but there's certain traits that they have that allows everybody to kind of like come together and be happy. And, you know, for example, when I think about our team as somebody who's like a great supporter and makes everybody laugh is Mary, right? Like she always cracks funny jokes and, and (laughs) she's just like hilarious, right? And she brings people together and maybe, maybe you have a funny story to share about Mary for those who don't know her.
1: Uh, yeah, so Mary is actually one of our customer success uh, reps, and she's fairly new in the company—nearly uh, uh, nearly two years. Before we met Mary in person, we always thought that she was this shy and and an intro you know an introvert. But when we, we when we finally met her, you know, face to face for our uh, for our team meetup we saw just the other side of Mary like she's just cracking jokes and just making us all laugh and ma- you know she's like I don't know like a comic book character like a f- very funny comic book character and she just makes people laugh and you know I love Mary she, she's an awesome team member and you know everyone in the team has a role and aside from being a, our customer success person Mary's other role is to make everyone happy you know in the team with her stories and with her quirkiness
0: and being a part of a team means you know doing your job but also making sure that other team members are you know the best that they can be and i think that's a really important trait being a good team member is not just looking after yourself but also looking after other people as well right and when you think about for example let's say you have 5 team members right and you're running a marathon and you all have to finish at the same time, at the finish line, together. What happens when you have four people who are runners, right? And then there's one person who's like really out of shape. Well, guess what? The other four people now have to carry the fifth person to make sure that they all finish on time, right? And so what I'm trying to say here is that when you have uh, a team, the weakest link is always, you know, the person with, you know, the least skill or is the least happy, And one of the things we always talk about is happy people are productive people, right? So we always want to make sure that if we want to have a really productive team, that everybody is happy and every team member counts. And I want to make sure as the leader of the team here that everybody is truly happy. And so I always ask them, you know, on our one-on-one meetings, what are some of the things that I can do to make you happier? And this is something you also do in a team setting as well. Uh, We actually have a quote-unquote happiness issue every single sprint where we ask for people to submit their feedback on what other people can do to make them happier. Right? So for example, some things I've mentioned in the past is, you know one thing that would make me really happy is we can finish this sprint 100%. right? Because now I'm not relying on my own effort to make me happy, but I'm relying on other people's efforts as well to make me quote-unquote happy. And sometimes what has happened before is we'll be behind or we know that it doesn't look like we're about to finish the sprint, but because everybody sees like, oh, Tan's happiness is uh, making sure that we get the sprint 100% done. Some people will work a little longer or work a little harder just to make sure that, you know, they're going to achieve the sprints uh, so that it makes me quote unquote happy. Right now I will say I am the employer. I'm quote unquote the boss. So making me happier, <laughs> <laughs> let's pull a little bit more weight in that sense, which I think is normal, but I'm trying to do the same thing for others as well, where If, for example, I think two sprints ago or something, uh, Marmel, you mentioned that, you know, you want to have a certain SOP updated Mm -hmm. or something, right? And even though I didn't know how to update the SOP (laughs) because I've actually never done that process before, right? It was about a webinar process or something like that. I had no clue how to do it, but I said, I want to make Marmel happy. So I went to you and I said, Marmel, I don't know how to do this SOP. Like, what can I do to update this SOP or... Is there a way for me to take something off your plate so that you have more time and freedom to update this SOP, right? So we're collaborating now, working yeah. together to make sure that you know I'm basically showing you that I want to make you happy.
1: Yeah, that was. Uh, I think we ended up with I will update the SOP and I, I and I gave you one task that I had to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. That's one thing that we've done is to include that happiness issue, right? An issue is basically a task in Jira. That's that's the word that they use or terminology. We ask every team member to submit, like, what's something that would make you happy? So people have mentioned, hey, you know, if you can update this SOP or, hey, if you can do this or, hey, if I can do pairing with this person on this task or something like that. It could literally be anything, but I always tell people, write it in a way that allows other people to act on it, right? So another good example of this is when you write something like, hey, you know, one thing that will make me happy is if, uh, if the sky is green, right? First of all, that's not possible, I think. <laughs> Second of all, it's not something that the team can really influence, right? So we always wanna make sure that we coach people and communicate in a way that allows other people to help you. So that's something that we've done. What are some other things that we've done Marmal to allow people to be happier?
1: Um so aside from, you know, making sure that whatever their issues are are, you know, are addressed, we give out bonus lead points. I'm not sure if you guys know about this, but there is a web app that we use called Bonusly and basing it on our core values, we give out points to each, you know, team member for For example, just earlier, we believe it was Kessa and, and Sherby. They, they saw a typo and they didn't, they didn't wait for someone else on the team to work on it. They just immediately fixed it. And then, you know, Tian gave them bonus points, you know, for our Kaizen core value. And then what happens is at the end of every month, we tally everyone's you know points and whoever gets the highest number of bonusly points would get you know their mo- their favorite gift card it's usually it's amazon
0: <laughs> yeah i love bonusly so for those who don't know we basically came up with this idea because i think one way to increase somebody's happiness is show appreciation for them and in a remote company it's a little bit more difficult to do and then i was reading this random article online how bonusly got created I was like, oh, that is a great idea. We should implement this. So we started implementing this a few years ago where you know, if you type in, now we use Slack forward slash give and then 10 to Marmel for fixing a typo, hashtag Kaizen, which is our core value. She then gets 10 points into our quote unquote bank account, right? And then I'm the happiest to give away the gift cards at the end of the month because I will announce the winner and say, hey, Barbell has the most points this month she apparently got the most appreciation by everybody else on the team. So like (laughs) like you said, it's usually either an Apple or Amazon gift card that everybody wants and that they get to quote unquote win. So just being able to show appreciation in a virtual company like that, uh, I think has been really helpful for us. The other thing we've done, like I mentioned, is creating a happiness issue inside our sprints, just collecting everybody's feedback on what we can do to make you happier. I think another thing that, we did really well over the last couple of years and start to implement religiously is just having me really dig into our one-on-one meetings of what we can do to make you happier. so when I structure our one-on-one calls, one of the goals I have is to make sure that you leave happy at the end of the call and feeling heard. And those are two things that are real important to me, but specifically I make it a point to say, hey, what can I do to make you happy going forward? Because again, happy people are productive people, right? I, th- I think, I, f- I almost feel like this could be the company slogan anyway. because I just keep reiterating it. And I think it's just so true because just think about your team right now, right? Or even think about your family dynamic, like your household. Imagine if everybody was super depressed, right? Everybody was super sad. How productive would everybody be? Chances are not very productive, right? But. Imagine if everybody's extremely happy, extremely excited, right? They're really happy about their life. They're really happy about their work. They're really happy about everything. How much more productive would that team be? That group of people, that collection of people, right? They would be so much more productive, right? Even though they might not even know how to do a Pomodoro technique or set a timer for something or eat that frog or anything like that, just because they're so happy and excited, That makes them so much more productive, right? So that's why I think happiness is such a trump card for productivity that, especially in a team setting, just making sure everybody's really, truly happy is really, really important. And one of the other things we've done in the last couple of, I wouldn't say 18 months or so, is introducing an EMPS. So an EMPS is an employee net promoter score. So if you don't know what this is, you probably received emails from us or from other companies saying, hey, uh, based on the scale of you know one to 10, how likely would you recommend this company to your friends and family or coworkers? Right? And then you would rate it. And if you're quote unquote a nine or a 10, then you're considered a promoter, meaning that you really enjoyed the service and they're more likely to reach out to you for like a review or testimonial or something, right? But somebody who scores a seven or eight is considered neutral. And then six or below is a detractor and those are the people that you want to focus on as a business to make sure that they're happy, right? And we've basically done the same thing, but internally for our team. So this is actually a anonymous survey. So everybody gets sent the survey and people can submit anonymously their rating and then their feedback as well. And so we do this, I think, once a quarter. Is that right?
1: Yeah, at the end of every quarter.
0: Yeah, so we do it once a quarter and then everybody gets to submit anonymously their feedback and then... I will go over it personally with a few people. And then because I don't know <laughs> who said what, I actually have to like note down all the talking points. And then whenever I have my one-on-one meetings with people, I have to bring up all the talking points that were brought up because I don't know who said what. So I can't say, oh, Marmel, you said this in your survey. So let's talk about that, but not talk about this with another person, right? Because again, I don't know who said what. So I have to bring up all the points. And then I make it part of my personal to-do list every quarter to work on these kind of things to make sure that, you know, the company is doing things that makes, you know, the employees, the team members happy. Because again, happy people are productive people. So what is your take on the EMPS so far?
1: I think it's great. It's an add-on to, you know, to our one-on-ones with you. Because I think there are still some things that, especially when it involves another person that we hesitate to talk about with you so the ENPS because it's anonymous we are able you know to do so if or if there are any just anything that we might not feel comfortable talking about personally with you we know that we can put it in the in the ENPS then we know that it's going to be it's going to be addressed so i think this helped a lot
0: I, I think so too. And I think if you're listening to this right now and you run a team, I would highly recommend you start implementing this uh, sooner than later. And you don't really need any technical software. You can do this with Google Forms, you know, hooking it up to a Google Sheet if you want to do that. It doesn't have to be complicated whatsoever. Right. So just make sure that when uh, you do submit the survey that you, you know, as somebody who reads the survey can absolutely not figure out who submitted what, because even if you can figure out the IP address of the person who submitted it, that kind of kills it. <laughs> because if you have any sort of curiosity of who says what, there's a way for you to figure that out. Right? And an IP address is like a simple thing. So. Just some uh, thoughts to consider. And there's a lot of software tools online that you can use as well. But you know, a Google form with a Google Sheet is a really simple solution as well. And the last thing that we've done is what we call the round table of gratitude. know, this is one of your favorite things, Marmel. So can you maybe explain to everybody what this is?
1: Yeah, so we, we've talked about the bonus lead points where we give points to, you know, to team members. But the difference with a round table of gratitude is that we have to personally say it out loud during a meeting. Usually it's when we have our monthly video call or when we have our sprint meeting at the end of our sprint meeting. Then it is the time that you don't just write it. For the bonus lead, you type it down. But for, during the round table of gratitude, you are openly able to express how, just how grateful you are for someone else you know, on the team. And if you are on the receiving end of that round table of gratitude, it makes that, that impact, you know, that it makes you happy that somehow you made someone else happy that because of what you did, they're appreciative of you. So it adds on to, you know, to, to being happy um, in the team and you as a person giving or saying out your gratitude, it's, It's something else, too, that you are able to verbalize what you're feeling, that you're able to express your thanks to someone else on the team. And at the same time, knowing that you are making that person feel better, too.
0: This is how we end all of our meetings in our company. And this is something that uh, we gave it our own name. So we call it the Roundtable of Gratitude. Uh, I don't think there's like an official term for this, but basically anytime we end our meeting, we do a round table of gratitude. And then usually in alphabetical order of first name, people will say out loud, you know, one thing that they're grateful for, or one thing that they're really happy about, um, or one thing that they're thankful for, for another team member of what they did. Right. So for example, if we ended our sprint meeting or or if we ended our sprints and we have our retro and um, review and, and all that stuff, uh, we always end our meeting with our round table of gratitude. And then Brooks is always the one <laughs> who goes first because of his letter B. And then he might say, hey, Tan, you know, I want to thank you for doing X, Y, and Z this sprint because that really helped me. Or I want to say a special thank you to the customer success team for really pulling through this particular sprint because we had so many people submitting feedback and survey data and stuff like that. And so you can literally say whatever you want to say. But uh, just having that ritual in there as a way to end your meeting really has built not only a lot of trust, but also appreciation for other team members as well. And because we are a remote company, you know, yes, we can give bonus lead points and those are all quote unquote digital, but there's something to be said for having this other person that you see on camera and look you in the eye, quote unquote, and then say, hey, I want to thank you for working really hard on this particular task. Even when I was sick, you know, you really stepped up and, and took stuff off my plate and I really appreciate that, right? Even just something so simple is extremely powerful. So no matter how chaotic the meeting went or how much conflict there was or how tense it was, uh, I know, Marmo, you've seen some tense meetings over the years. <laughs> Whenever we ended with a round table of gratitude, it just all goes away. Yeah. So those are things that you can do to improve the happiness of your team, right? So, if you have to summarize again, the three major points of today's podcast is one trust is the foundation for everything, right? We want to make sure we improve the communication lines between all of our team members, and then the third one is everyone's happiness is equally important. So, make sure everybody's happy because happy people are productive people. So, on that note, we're going to end our podcast today. So, thank you, Marmal, for being on the show today, and I can't wait to have you back.
1: Thank you for having me, Tan.
0: At Asian Efficiency, we believe that you shouldn't have to sacrifice your personal life to get things done. You should be able to get everything done in the time you have. That's why we've built a productivity quiz to help you maximize the time you have, increase your energy and get you more focused. We've helped tens of thousands of people increase their productivity and within two minutes of taking a productivity quiz, we'll show you exactly what you need to do next to increase your productivity. To take the quiz, just go to theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Don't let your never-ending to-do list drag you down and stop sacrificing your health and family to get things done. Take the quiz today and you'll be on your way to becoming superhuman productive. You can also find links to everything we've discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 264. If you enjoyed this episode please consider leaving us an iTunes review or start an overcast. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next Productive Monday.